Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday, it's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. April showers bring a loaded sports calendar and FanDuel is the place to bet on it all. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states? Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. Shiel Kapalia joined by Ben Solak, Ace producer, Cliff Augustine. It is Tuesday. It feels like it should be like Thursday of Super Bowl week. It's Tuesday of Super Bowl week. We talked Eagles offense versus Chiefs defense yesterday. Now we're going to the other side of the ball today. Benny Soles, Eagles defense against the Chiefs offense. How are you feeling this afternoon? Uh, I'm feeling, you know, Radio Row tiredness plus Senior Bowl tiredness. I got the cough drop in. I got the the water with hydration Uh-oh. supplements in the bottle. And we are going to make it through the week, baby. Feeling good. Cough drop. I'm glad we are uh, doing this remotely then because I do not want to be. Uh, oh, it's not. It's not. Um, All due respect. No, it's not sick. It's tired plus how dry it is. This happens every year when I come down mm. to Phoenix. I come to Phoenix yes. every year. And within a few days, I start losing my voice, get scratchy. I wake up with like a super dry cotton mouth. My nose is stuffed. Energy levels are fine. It's just the dryness. And so I've been trying to fend it off. I've been here for like almost a week now. Got the liquid IV, all right? Pedialyte, basically. Oh, I love I, it. I've been doing yeah. this. I, I know the moves. It's just not getting enough sleep, doing too much talking. Shield keeps throwing me on these podcasts that I got to do. So, you know, trying to stave it off. I, I also am, am hydrating. I also had the dry mouth uh, yesterday during the media night. So you got to hydrate. As you get older, you learn these things. I mean, you're just looking for bottles of water everywhere you go. You're looking to refill your water bottle. Very important. All right. I was just with the Eagles this afternoon at their team hotel, talking a little to a Jason Kelsey, Elaine Johnson, Nick Sirianni uh, had his press conference. They had various people uh, out there. I don't know that there's too much you can uh, you can glean from any of this. I mean, it, it was a little bit of a trip down memory lane where they were talking about uh, last year, 2021, how badly that started. We kind of for, forget about that a little bit. But man, halfway yeah. into year one of the Nick Sirianni, Sirianni experience no one was thinking we would be here this soon later so you know the players were just saying the consistency kind of of his message it didn't change there wasn't something he did massively differently as a head coach at that time it was kind of just doubling down on all the things he was pointing to and as Jason Kelsey mentioned it was nothing uh, wild that he was pointing to it was the the same stuff the the connection the competition the takeaways the explosive plays all those things and eventually it turned I do think it's interesting they've of got course these it was four core guys yeah it was all that and giving play calling to shane steichen you know that's a part of the story they don't they they, they, they kind of you know uh, uh uh gloss over there a little bit but i've been on pause this week people ask me like how did this all start like how did this happen i was like 
really the first domino of like the end result of this season was when Sirianni gave Steichen play calling last year. That really like started the whole like, oh, we see what it can be with Jalen Hurts and like the rushing quarterback game and our running game with our offensive line. And then Sirianni elects this offseason to keep Steichen as the play caller, which a lot of head coaches would struggle to do. And like, yeah, that, that was really the first domino. Yeah, I don't know that, but I, I would say it's not like that simple because it's still Nick Sirianni's offense. Like, I don't know that the plays on the sheet were bad. The plays they were calling uh, were not working and they were so pass heavy. There's no doubt yeah. about it. It was kind of the approach, but who knows? Maybe, you know, Steichen certainly uh, deserves credit and he's done a fantastic right. job. Right. That's why I say, like, it was him giving away the, the play calling, right? Like, I, yeah, they didn't yeah. reinvent the offense. They did a little bit this year, but A.G. Brown came in. And I think that would have happened regardless right. who was calling the plays. But Steichen just, we've said it all year. He calls the same stuff, and then he hits the counter right when you're supposed to. He gets it, man. Yeah, no no doubt about it. All right. How do we talk about this, uh, this Chiefs offense against this Eagles defense without just saying, Patrick Mahomes is really, really freaking good. It's going to be hard to slow him down. Like you've been, you're, you're writing a big uh, preview piece, right, with uh, mm-hmm. Steven Ruiz for the Ringer later this week like what are your big picture ideas let's say you're doing a 10 minute radio hit and they say ben how do the eagles slow down patrick mahomes like what is at the top of your list for the eagles to do uh we've talked like like uh, you have to start with the pressure you have to start with the front right that's where all of these conversations are that's where you you come back to the future come back from the future and you tell me the eagles beat the the chiefs by multiple scores what happened is it with the front one they got Mahomes down a ton, right? Now, next-gen stats, I thought this stuff was uh, uh, pretty important. Mahomes has been pressured on 34% of his dropbacks this postseason. Regular season was only at 25%. So both the Jags and the Bengals were able to heat him up more than teams in the regular season. When you go back and you watch how, they did it with their down rushes, right? They didn't have to blitz too much. And critically... Uh, they pick on Orlando Brown. Uh, Orlando Brown was a left tackle for the Chiefs. Is it was an early pick? Yeah, it actually wasn't that early. The pick, it was a third round pick. Chiefs traded for him with an early pick, put him in at left tackle. It was immediately to their benefit to install him there. Like he was a boost off of who they had previously. However, Brown is is a liability in pass blocking in one on one situations. He's just too big. He's too heavy footed. Uh, the way that Josh Sweat. And, and Hassan Reddick get off the ball, the explosiveness that these guys have, you see where the explosive rushers, like uh, like uh, a, a Trey Hendrickson, these are the guys that beat Orlando Brown. This is a da- this is this is the guy to circle. This is the the, the moment where you're at. And you, you saw the Jags and the Bengals go after him recently in the postseason. So that's your pressure center. That's your point. That's who you want to get after. You think you can beat him. You think you have the right guys to beat him. That's the first half of the battle. The second half of the battle is once you pressure Mahomes, what happens next? Because usually what happens next isn't good for you. It's good for him. It's good for them. And that's why Mahomes is yeah. obnoxious. Is because you can pressure him and it doesn't matter, right? NGS. When under pressure, Mahomes' sack rate, how often he gets sacked on plays under pressure, is first in the league this year, was sixth last year, fifth year previous, fourth year before that, and second year before that. In terms of his ability to extend to dropbacks, how many of his pressures became dropbacks where he got away from the pressure and then, you know, the clock kept running, he was able to throw the football away. First this year, fourth previous, third the year previous, third the year previous, second the year previous. He is the best player in the league at turning a pressure into a at least net neutral, if not net positive play for his offense. And critically, you can't blitz him, right? Everybody knows, like, Mahomes against the blitz is is superhero. It's superhuman. He's... Three times the EPA of everybody else, yada, yada, whatever. And so the path to the Eagles pressuring Mahomes is very clear. They have a elite four-man rush. They have a deep rush. They can get, you know, uh, the guys late in the drive when they do the line change, guys late in the game. They've had an incredible fourth down rush this year, right? Closing out games, uh, the, the, the league leaders in quarterback pressure rate this year in the fourth quarter are Brandon Graham, Trey Hendrickson, Josh Sweat, and Hassan Reddick. Like, it's just like that, like... They, they are so good because they're so deep that they're freshly in the game. So all the pressure stuff makes sense. It's clear as day. It's when you go to finish that sentence by saying, and because the Eagles can pressure Mahomes, they'll be able to beat Mahomes, where you lose me. Because this guy against pressure is it's what separates him. It's what makes him truly the elite of the elite. The one on top of the mountain is because pressure comes half the battle. You have to be able to get him down. 
You have to know he's going to beat the first pressure. You have to stay strong to your scramble drill rules. You have to play the entire down. And that's really, really difficult to do. Yeah, this is not a, you know, I think we talked about that. I can't remember if it was with Mina or on extra point taken, but this is not a, you know, hey, just get the quarterback off his spot and impact the quarterback and influence the quarterback, make him uncomfortable. No, this is not that kind of game for the reason you said. When he extends plays, he is absolutely deadly. He's tough to bring down. I mean, I remember watching that Jags game before he got injured and thinking, like, the Jags are doing a pretty good job here, and it, it doesn't matter. I mean, he was yeah. still making play after play against them. So this is not a pressure game. Those pressures need to result in negative plays, sacks, incompletions, turnovers, uh, however you want to frame it. It can't just be, hey, make him feel comfortable and get him off his spot because he's used to playing like that. He's played like that, and he can still execute when you do that. Uh, and I agree with, you know, that Orlando Brown-Josh Sweat matchup is really interesting because Josh Sweat should really be a, the kind of guy who can give Orlando Brown problems for the reasons yep. that you just mentioned. And, and the Eagles don't stunt a ton, but, you know, Josh right. Sweat and Javon Hargrave, we've seen scenarios this year where those two stunt, and it looks really, really good and gives opposing offensive lines uh, quite a bit of problems. So yeah, I think yeah. Josh Sweat is absolutely a player to keep an eye on. Joseph Asai was giving Orlando Brown all kinds of problems in that Bengals-Chiefs game yes. in, the, uh, in the AFC Championship game. And Josh Sweat is a better player than Joseph Asai. So, and there's, uh, but they're similar Reddit, in terms Reddit of is, that length and yeah. that explosiveness, right? That's the prototype you want. Sweat this year, NGS also had this. Average get off, how, how quickly he gets one yard past line of scrimmage, 0.75 seconds. Second fastest in the league behind only Miles Garrett. Anybody who has a Hassan Reddick MVP ticket is out of their mind if they don't have a Josh Sweat MVP ticket. This is an enormous Josh Sweat game. Yeah, I mean, he, he lines up over there. And then, of course, can't, can't, uh, Forget the old dog, Brandon Graham, Super Bowl. Yes, it's happened sir. before, and uh, listen, he's he's played really, really well. The fewer snaps have helped him. He's he's won his one-on-ones. He's looked great this year. He's going to be hungry. He's going to be ready for the moment. He's going to be talking trash to uh, Orlando Brown from the opening snack or, snap or from the coin toss like we saw before. So I uh, totally agree with those. Yeah, the Chiefs interior is their strength. Not to say you can't win some one of your one-on-ones there, but tackle is their weakness. So whether it's, uh, I, I agree with that, Orlando Brown is the guy, and then you'll take absolutely take your chances with Hassan Reddick versus Andrew Wiley on the other side. And again, have to, have to, have to finish. I mean, if there are plays in this game where you feel like you had him and he scrambles and he makes a play, those absolutely could just end up being the difference in which team wins or loses in this game. Now, the other thing is what we've talked Talked about is that you know what the key to the game is. I know what the key to the game is. Listeners listening are probably like, all right, what you just said, that didn't surprise me too much. Guess who else knows that? Andy Reid knows. He's got no exactly idea. He doesn't know. <laughs> he can't figure it out. <laughs> Andy Reid, who two years ago was so impacted by the Bucks killing the Chiefs in that game where they literally had the biggest offensive line makeover that I can ever remember in one offseason where they're just like, that's not happening again. Happening again. We're, changing, uh, we're changing everything. So uh, Andy Reid knows that. Their game plan will focus on slowing that down. What are some of the things you think Andy Reid going into this game will do to say, no, 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 we're not just going to line up and let uh, Josh Sweat and uh, Hassan Reddick and Javon Hargrave hit our quarterback what do you expect from their game plan so screen is the obvious one right I think we all expect yeah. a screen I think you gave the joke uh, uh when we ended the Mina pod of like the Eagles are going to take a shot in the first drive the Chiefs are going to throw a screen on the first drive everything that's after that that's not a joke that's happening yeah right yeah. exactly every day right everything <laughs> after that don't bet on it but if you can find a will Andy recall screen on the first drive prop you take that because that's happening so screen game for sure uh the next thing you do is you condense the formations right uh I am really, really confident that the Chiefs are going to play a lot of 12-13 personnel. 12 and 13 personnel, uh, one running back and two tight ends, or one running back and three tight ends. That's 12 and 13. There are a couple reasons for it. The first is something that you brought up in your nuggets. You've mentioned this before. Uh, the 13 personnel grouping for the Chiefs by expected points, the best personnel group in league seen this season, right? That's Travis Kelsey yeah. plus Noah Gray and Jody Fortson on the field. So it's not even like, you know... <laughs> Back when the Eagles 12 know, person. You, you yeah. say it and you're like, how is this possible? This isn't Gronk and Aaron right. Hernandez. Yeah. So the reason it's so uh, uh, effective, right? The reason why it's so dangerous is because when you go 
13 personnel, it's really hard to leave five defensive backs on the field. It's extremely difficult to, to against that sort of a look, justify having a nickel out. And if you do have the nickel out, they're going to run the ball on you, right? They're, they have eight blockers on the line of scrimmage, and you're walking out with six dudes who are actual box players in terms of defensive linemen and linebackers. Then you're going to ask a safety to step down and your nickel to be in the fit. Like that's that's just that's such a huge mismatch that like that ball's going to Isaiah Pacheco. They're picking up six yards. They're picking up six yards. They're picking up six yards, and then Pacheco breaks a tackle. Now they're picking up twenty. Like they're they are. As effective running the football this year, the Chiefs have been uh, in in the, in the Patrick Mahomes era, and they've tried to do that. That's been intentional. All right, so if you if you do elect to go base, right, you you you, you put seven guys on the field who can play in the box for the Eagles. That's their five two front. All right, play action pass, and now it's Patrick Mahomes. He's only got four true defensive back bodies to deal with. So like, even if you cover stuff up. You're going to be covering it if you're the Eagles with TJ Edwards, Kaiser White, and like one of Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat dropping. Like the the Eagles are in a very awkward position against the 12 personnel sets and the 13 personnel sets that the Chiefs want to use because they don't have a 4-3 package. They do not have a four-down defensive lineman and three linebackers. They don't have a base defense that they've played this year. So presumably they're going to try to play that in 5-2, which is Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat on the edges and then like... Linval Joseph in the middle with Fletcher Cox and, and Javon Hargrave is also defensive tackles. You, it, all five of those guys are pass rushers. So if they walk out 12-13 personnel and you you go five down defensive linemen, you have to rush five and play with six in coverage. That's te- that's blitzing the homes, technically. That's adding an additional rusher. This is the one thing you never, 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 never do against this guy is add the additional rusher. So, okay, now you have to drop one of Josh Sweat or Hassan Reddick into coverage. Guess who they're going to throw the football at? Like, the... The, the Eagles' lack of a 4-3 defense puts them in a really tricky spot. Now, I've had two weeks to prepare for this. So I think they're going to be able to, to find ways to drop those guys and protect them. They're going to play zone. They're going to have them re- relate to the back. They're going to rush them. And then I, I would imagine they also look at blitzing from that look. Blitz six, send seven, and play man coverage behind it and say, all right, if you're going to get us into a spot where we have to blitz guys, we're just going to send everybody. We're trying to keep these tight ends in in protection, right? And then we're going to win Darius Slay against Marcus Valdez-Scantling on the outside. So there's ways to work around it, but it's a square peg round hole. They're in a very tricky spot when it comes to the multiple tight end sets. And so you get those tight ends on the field. You get Mahomes on her center. You go play action pass. You get chip help on the edges. It just protects you from the pass rush a little bit more. It puts the Eagles in, in, in weird personnel. So I, so I expect screens. I expect uh, 12 and 13 personnel. And then the last thing as an aside, and this is a good gambling look, uh, I expect wide receiver handoffs. I expect little jet passes, little touch passes, little underneath stuff, little screens, all the little horizontal boundary stretch gadget plays that Andy Reid likes. Just get away from that pass rush. I think it's a big, like, you know, Kadarius Tony with a 13-yard run game, Sky Moore with, like, an 8-yard catch and run, you know, behind line of scrimmage on a screen, whatever. It's one of those games where, listen, we don't want to deal with Linval and Jordan and Fletch and Hargrave and, and have to handle living in these trenches, right? So we're just going to get outside of the boundary on you. And now you can't rush Mahomes because the ball's out in a second and it's out to a speed threat on the boundary. That's what I think you do to neutralize Eagles rush. I'm daring them. I'm daring them to run the ball. Go ahead, Andy. Run the ball. Pick up five yards per carry. Whatever. Maybe it's more than that, like you mentioned. Maybe they're gashing you a little bit. I'm very patient, saying if that's how we're gonna lose, let's let's see how big, the game proceeds. Big if John Gannon philosophy well. day. Big Gannon. Yeah, yeah. That's how he plays. That. That's how you know. That's kind of in his DNA. Uh, anyway, l- looking back, prevent pre- prevent explosive pass plays. Uh, if the run if the run defense isn't the best, that's okay. You can lose that way. It looks like Ben just finished that water bottle. Did you just finish that water uh, bottle? You more. held it up like victory. Oh, okay. I thought you were, uh, I don't know if you were adjusting your sleeve or something there. Okay. I was. I thought you, you were You don't, you don't have to read everything into every <laughs> single thing I do on the Zoom calls. Okay. You don't, You obviously don't know me well enough because all I do <laughs> is read into everything everyone around me does uh, at all times and then make internal observations. And then I share some of them, not all of them <laughs> on the podcast. This is literally wow. my brand and uh, yeah, my new, profile. Uh, new <laughs> Phoenix goal is get shield drunk and learn some of the observations that don't get shared on the podcast. Let's get the tongue oh, loose. God. Yeah. I, uh, Shield's old. I don't know that that is uh, that's going to happen. She'll be out for the week if uh, if that ends <laughs> up happening. Uh, looking at the Chiefs' thirteen personnel, they throw the ball out of it roughly sixty percent of the time out of their thirteen personnel. Mahomes 
completed 77% of his passes and averaged 11.2 yards per attempt with nine touchdowns and no interceptions in 13 personnel. I'm not letting that happen. No, no, no. Isaiah Isaiah Pacheco, go ahead uh, and try to beat me in the playoffs. That's fine. Again, I will adjust if I need to, but that would really be my approach. So that's going to be fun to watch early on. What do they do? Because I I agree with you. I mean, uh, you know, it's been very interesting how much they've changed their personnel groupings this year. They're they're only in 11 personnel 55.7% of the time. That's like a massive dip. That's like over over 12% dip from uh, last year, and obviously they traded Tyreek Hill in the offseason, so, that, to, uh, so that's a big factor there. Yeah, to that note, uh, less 11 personnel means less spread. The Chiefs are, are uh, they had the, their tightest formational width, how far it is from the widest guy on the one side of the field to the widest guy on the other side of the field. Their tightest formational width the last seven seasons this year per NGS. They are not a spread team anymore. They are much more so of like a condensed team and get your outbreakers on. They still have their spread sets, but like the Eagles are 100% more of like a spread offense than the OG spread off than, than the Chiefs are. And the Chiefs were the OG spread offense when Mahomes started and when Reed took over and they just had Travis Kelsey out wide and everything like that. Like it's it's a different era, man. It's wild. Yeah, Reed really is. Uh he has a lot of positive traits, but his ability to evolve and adapt based on mm-hmm. his personnel. And listen, it's easier when you have Mahomes at quarterback, but still to do what they've done with the personnel uh, turnover that they've had this year has been very, very impressive. All right, let's take a quick break and we will come back and talk more about this matchup. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back on the Ringers Philly special. So we talked a little bit about how do the Eagles uh, defend some of these personnel groupings, what to look for when they're rushing the passer. How do we feel about the back end? What are we doing here? Mina suggested play a little more man, maybe. Uh, you obviously have this the quarter stuff, the split safety zone stuff is in your pocket that you're used to playing. Is it just a matter of do a little bit of everything because you can't do one thing against Mahomes? Or is there one way that you kind of lean towards in this matchup that say, I, I think they might come out and try to play this way against Mahomes? What do you think about that aspect of it? Right. So as a reminder, Mahomes... Uh, 26 touchdowns versus man coverage, uh, 60.8 pass expected points added overall in the season against man coverage, two times any other quarterback in the league. Mahomes against zone coverage this season, 8.7 yards per attempt, second best in the league, 87 total EPA, first in the league, 54% success rate first in the league. So if you start with the what does the other guy do poorly question, you're nowhere you gotta go yeah 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 the the basic epa per pass play first against man first against zone first against blitz 
first against no blitz, first against split safety coverage, and second against there it is. single high coverages. I we mean, got them. It's, it's very rare, and it wasn't always like like I remember I did that, you know, like the the nerd guide preview stuff before the season, and there were a couple of years in there where there was some differences um, in his splits. You know, he had to take some time to adjust to teams saying we're not giving up the explosive play, we're going to play too deep. Well, guess what? He and all the great quarterbacks have the ability to problem solve, and he has uh, solved that. So yes, there's nothing obvious in any of the splits that hey, this gives you a better chance against Mahomes. Right, so then you go back and say, well, okay, well, what do we do better? And what they do better is they play zone better. Uh, like I, uh, when Mina brought up like the man thing, I was like, I- maybe I don't know if I agree with that. All right, why so? The numbers would say that's not exactly true. Now the snaps are fewer with man, but they've been the best man coverage team in the NFL this season. The Eagles, if you look at EPA per pass play, and I can, as you talk, I can pull up the numbers again. These are it's football, so the samples are not huge, but they have been a very good man coverage team this year. I wonder like if there's selection bias on the data and when they're in man cuz I bet you they're in man a lot when they're like in third and 10 and that like that's obviously like where like you're going to get they're going to get more of their sacks they're going like they're in, they're in positive script for defense period and that's when they end up playing man coverage as opposed to like they play zone on like first and 10 and second and six and like the neutral script downs so to me like that i'd be curious if that's a part of it like like in terms of selecting where they play their man coverage because they don't play a lot of man on early downs but i i i wouldn't have guessed that that their man uh performance like their their efficiency metrics are better than their zone metrics that is surprising um i think you'll see zone because i think a they'll feel better they'll feel more comfortable in zone Uh, to me like that's their like base defense um now if they are in a position where they have to meet a lot of five-man fronts because of the personnel that the Chiefs are putting on the field, then they're going to play more zone, right? They have, they're going to have to play zone whenever they drop one of those guys. Otherwise, they're going to be in a position where they're rushing five and then playing, like, you know, cover one. Like, man, single high with no robber, and they're going to lose. You can't, like, that. that's untenable. Uh, and so I think you're going to have to, like, be dropping sweat and dropping right cover so often. And then when you're, when you're in those looks, you're going to have to be playing zone. And when you're in your six, like, six guys deep, I guess you do your best to play man coverage and you live with no double cover on Kelsey. The nice thing about playing zone coverage is it gives you the ability to double Kelsey independent of where he is, right? Like, I, like I've said before, the Eagles don't really have much of like a one double 87 call. They can install it over the course of the next two weeks. I think it'd be nice if they did. I don't expect them to. So I don't, it's not like they have a cover one call where they just have two guys on Kelsey. They're going to, if they want to double him, be playing zone and just have multiple sets of eyes on him, have a cloud corner and a cloud safety to his side. Kind of that's going to be the sort of approach. So I think that's what you do. And that works like that. That that's good because the Eagles, when they're in their zone defense, they're they're extremely good at forcing underneath throws. They're great, right? They're they're one of the the best performing teams in the league in terms of discouraging downfield targets, breaking up downfield targets, ensuring the quarterback's a dot drops, and then they rally up and they tackle. Like that's what what they've they've wanted to be. That's that hustle and hits and integrity and tackling uh, philosophy that followed Matt Eberflus from, or excuse me, followed John Gannon from being under Matt Eberflus. Uh, it puts the Chiefs in a position that feels less dangerous, right? Because they're not throwing the ball as far down the field. But that's also what they've like elected to become as a team this year. So I don't know. I think I think it's where you end up. I think you end up in playing zone and putting the blanket on them deep and forcing them to be underneath. You just have to be careful of like the Chiefs might feel very comfortable doing that. They've done that a lot this season and been successful. Yes. It's tricky. That's how everyone's play everyone yeah. plays them. Yeah, that's how they're they're used to beating that. Like like I said, that you know, that was an issue for them uh at one time. Is it still an issue? The numbers would say no, it's not still an issue. But this is just mm-hmm. such a hard question. I know people are, you know, sick of it, just saying like Mahomes is unstoppable. But I mean, we just gave you the numbers. Like there's a reason why this is such a uh such a difficult task. It's so hard to come up with exactly what they should do. So uh, I just looked up the numbers quickly. Yeah, they're first um, in man coverage, EPA per pass play, first and second down. You are you do have a bit of a point. I mean, first and second down, they're sixth, and third and fourth down, they're first. And so, yeah, it does get a boost In terms there, of their man uh, coverage efficiency? But, yeah, and, yeah, and again, okay. these are all, like, it's around 200 snaps total, so there's always going to be some noise uh, with this, but certainly their corners can play 
man coverage uh, on the outside, you would you would feel good about that. Uh, Avante Maddox, presuming uh, assuming that he's going to be okay and good in this game, can can give you good coverage there in the slot. So I just think I just think you have to switch it up, and it's such a cop out. It's so stupid to say. It's the easiest thing to say, right? But that is like the formula against the great quarterbacks. I mean, if they know what's coming, if they spot a tendency, uh, if they figure it out before the snap, especially someone like Mahomes. I mean, it's over. You're not going to have a chance. He's going to know where to go with the football unless like we said you're you're getting to him so quickly that he can't execute what he wants to execute um then he, he's going to find answers so uh i think that's the key to me i mean i mean it'll be yeah i mean you, you can come out and say hey let's force them to put together long methodical drives and if they come out and their first two drives are 12 yeah. plays a piece and they score a touch because they're so good in the red zone that's the other thing andy reed is a red zone wizard i mean you look at their numbers right. recently especially uh in the red zone those have been fantastic so like bend but don't break doesn't exactly work here because they generally don't allow you to play that way because they finish uh they finish their drive yeah. so well another cool note on that uh this again from ngs Eagles recorded the second lowest defensive success rate against red zone runs this season. The Chiefs were tied for 10th offensively in their offensive red zone run success rate. Uh, if, if the Chiefs get down low, they're scoring seven. We talked about this on the previous pod with the Eagles. When the Eagles get down low, they're in a position to score seven and they have to score seven. The same is true of the Chiefs. Prepping this Chiefs offense versus Eagles defense pod really made me realize that I'm not going to feel good about which team is going to win this game until I see like the first quarter because both offenses are in a place where they're, they're going to want to be methodical. They're going to want to run the football. They're going to want to, you know, inch it down the field a little bit, not test too much deep. I said the, the Eagles will be, uh, will have more explosive passes for sure. They're going to get stuff over the top for AJ Brown. Absolutely. But their base offense is going to be run, 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 right? And they're going to you know, throw the ball uh, uh, underneath, like like get Jalen Hurts, you know, feet underneath him, try to eat some clock. And then the Chiefs are going to be really methodical. And, you know, Mullen's going to throw to the back quickly, right? And they're going to run the ball against the four down fronts. And it's going to be a lot of like, you know, three points, three points, seven points, seven points. It's going to be a lot of just that, that, that and everything. Once one team busts something open, that team's going to win. I'm positive, right? I, I like yeah. the the moment yeah. one of these offenses gets put out of their script, I think I think we're in we're in like you know the end game, and I think that the team that has the lead is gonna have a good chance to control the game the rest of the way. So like I keep I think I'm picking the Chiefs. I think that'll be where I land. I'm like 51 49. I think it's gonna be such a good game. I think it's gonna be high scoring. But I tell you right now, if I see a 10 nothing Eagles first quarter, Eagles are winning this thing. Like I really like even with Mahomes the other sideline, like the fear of the fourth quarter comes. Oh, back. I don't think Eagle I don't think Eagles no. fans will be feeling comfortable. I, about she, that she, I said I said I said literally last pod, if the Eagles have a 14 nothing lead. I in know the first that's quarter. that's why right. I'm confused. Now right. you're saying something different. It's because I really think <laughs> if the Chiefs are in a spot where they, they have to pass, they have to spread to pass, they have to throw the ball downfield, like they have to be aggressive. I'm, I'm talking about like a 10 nothing lead in the first quarter. They won't be put in that position just yet. But really, like a lot of these, both for both offenses, things are very script dependent, in my opinion. The Chiefs really are going to want to be in heavy personnel. They're going to want to present run looks. And if the Eagles can get them out of that where they have to present pass looks the eagles absolutely have the advantage in terms of their pass rush and their coverage and then when the ball is flipped the eagles need to be able to incorporate the zone raid running game they need to be able to incorporate hertz's legs on the ground if they're constantly facing third and tens they're constantly facing a spot where they need explosive pass the chiefs have the advantage they absolutely do so it's it, this is very much so like uh who can avoid third and longs who can avoid a bad turnover and, and, and a big hole, right? Multi-score, a multi-score deficit. Like this is a game that's very heavily dependent on script. And that's why I think we're going to see like a one-score game the whole way, a total nail-biter, a who has the ball last possession sort of a game. So I think both these teams know like they can't, you can't let these other guys get too far ahead. It's going to knock you off your game plan and then you're in trouble. I don't think I agree. I don't think I don't think I agree that it's a script uh, game at all. I mean, I think that I, I think both these offenses, and I would give the Chiefs the edge here, just because they do it by passing the ball. Like like they can just 
I mean, they could be down 10 nothing, and then you could just go get something from the fridge and come back, and they're winning 14-10. Like, I don't – even if they're down early, they want to be pass-heavy. We know how they want to play. I mean, I, I don't think – like, like script doesn't matter. They're going to want – they want to pass the ball. Now, how they pass the ball, yes, uh, doing it wisely, not letting the Eagles pass rush completely crush them. But uh, I just don't think that there's any scenario here where they're going to come out and say, we're going we're gonna to run the football – and that's going to be what we need to do to win this game. I mean, they, they can literally change it and flip it by the snap, uh, snap of your fingers. But we'll see. I, I do I'm, agree that yeah. it's going to feel – I do agree that it's going to feel like if there's like a muffed pun or if there's a fumbled snap, it's just going to feel like, shoot, is that it? Like, Because I do yes. think there's going to be a slim margin for error. I mean, just to speak to it, how competitive – and who knows? Super Bowls are weird. Like, it could be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Patrick Mahomes has played 90 – I gave this stat before. I'll give it again. Has played 93 games. His team has had a lead in the fourth quarter or been within one score in 90 of them. You're talking about a 3% chance that his team gets blown out based on uh, his career so far. And then you have an Eagles team where they, they're 16-1. and one. They're 16-1 and freaking one with Jalen Hurts as right. the starter. I mean, there was one game with Jalen Hurts as the starter uh, that they didn't win and that they weren't really in, and that was uh, that was that Washington game, which is a weird, fluky game. So can weird, fluky games happen? Yes, but unless it's like the extreme, the, the tail of uh, outcomes for one of these teams, uh, I think we're going to have a close game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I, I the way you're talking about it is like, helped me kind of clarify and sharpen my idea in the sense that I'm thinking about a guy walking on a high wire where it's like, all right, you want to be 50-50. You want to be perfectly balanced. If you're 55-45, it's okay. You can get back, no problem. If you're like 60-40 balanced, you're probably okay. You're good. Once you start getting to 65-35, buddy, we're falling. <laughs> we're, finding, we're, we're landing in the net, right? You're off the wire. Like It's going to be really hard if one... In terms of what? Run past balance, in terms, you're uh, In terms of like win probability. Right, in terms of like like this game's gonna be a okay. one score game, okay. it's gonna gotcha. be back and forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Okay. So I think like it's it's that sort of an idea where it feels like right if there's that big swing for one of these teams, I think it's gonna be really hard for the seesaw to get back balanced in terms of win probability. I think it's gonna be tough for there to be a comeback, which is nuts to say about a Patrick Mahomes led team. But I just the Eagles. Yeah, I don't yeah, agree with the that. Eagles sitting on the ball. I think it's just. <laughs> I, I, just I just think I think if the Chiefs, you're right, they could yeah. run it. Yeah, they could gash yeah. them. Yeah, and I just think if the Chiefs are like very clearly on a pass script. I don't think they have the personnel to beat the Eagles, and I think the pass rush takes over. They have to be able to go heavy personnel and play action and run in order to, to, to really negate the pass rush and to attack the secondary. I firmly believe that. And that's why like when you say, I don't <laughs> think the Chiefs are going to like run to win the game, I absolutely do. I think it's a huge Isaiah Pacheco game. I think that the Chiefs are going to... Yes, 100%. Really? Yes, I do. Andy Reid, is he coaching this game or not? He is He's coaching here? this game. He didn't and, leave the state? Okay. And, but and, but it's, it's not... <laughs> It's not like, oh, they're going to like be like 60-40 run. It's to say that I think their runs are going to be effective, and I think that Pacheco breaking tackles and staying ahead of the script is going to be a huge part of why. And the way that that is untrue, like the way the Eagles stop that, is by going five down, and the second they go five down, now Mahomes takes over, right? And it's kind of that that interplay. But I 100% believe, like you talked about how Gannon, like you need to be patient, you need to make them force, the, you know, throw underneath, you need to make them run the football. I think Pacheco is going to punish them for that. I think Pacheco has the talent, the Chiefs running back young player out of Rutgers, to really hurt the Eagles for that. And then it's going to start to get sweaty. I would tell Linville Joseph, I would tell uh, Jordan Davis, if you guys want to go out Saturday night, it's cool. Go ahead. Yeah, your services are probably not going to be needed in this game on Sunday. Maybe I'm wrong. I think the I think the Chiefs could sign an agreement that they have to play 11 personnel and pass the ball on every snap, and they could still score 30 points in this game. I, I don't think they need to rely. Uh, the, listen, the 13 personnel is nice. We gave the numbers. It's part of what they do. No doubt about it, but I don't think it's the, uh, it's the only way. I mean, listen, the Eagles had the best pass defense in the NFL by DVOA, which accounts for schedule strength at the same time I think if you're I, I don't think the overall schedule strength uh, criticisms are fair I think if you want to say their defense has not been tested by a great quarterback and when it has it has not exactly looked great uh, I think that is fair I mean there's been what three times they faced a top 10 quarterback in EPA per pass play Jared Goff was one of them he hung 35 on them in week one Dak Prescott was another one he hung what 40 on them uh, late in the season and the other one was Trevor Lawrence and the run game I mean those are the three top 10 in EPA per pass play guys they face this year and now they face Patrick Mahomes I mean I will give uh, I will give Jonathan Gannon 
All, uh, honestly, Jonathan, even if they get lit up, like he's done a good job this year and the defense has, has way exceeded my expectations. Like there, there really is no shame in getting lit up in the Super Bowl by Patrick Mahomes. It really goes to 2017. They got lit up by Tom Brady uh, in the Super Bowl and no one really cares about that one because they won the game, but also because Tom Brady was just uh, unbelievable in that game and carving them up. But man, it, it really for Gannon, I hadn't thought about this until just now. Can you imagine if he puts together some kind of special big boy game plan in this game? And like, we're talking about an Eagles win in a game where they slow down Patrick Mahomes. Now all of a sudden we're going to have to go back and delete like 30 episodes yep. from this year. Like he will reach a legendary status. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's true. If you go in the Super Bowl and he comes up with a game plan where afterwards we're going, Oh my God, look what they did to Kelsey on third down. Oh my God, look, Patrick Mahomes had to hold the ball because they did this. If he comes up with wrinkles like that in this game, he becomes like a Philadelphia hero for um, this is right. not hyperbole from now until the end of time. Like that outcome uh, is is in play is in play for him. So I hadn't even thought yes. about that angle until just now. But I thought about that video of him saying uh, we're gonna gut these gut these guys uh, or whatever against the 49ers and maybe like. This two-week stretch, Jonathan Gannon, just his, his reputation in Philadelphia is completely different than maybe it was before. I don't know. Maybe I'm going off on a tangent. No, I, I agree with you. And I think, like again, like I have I, – I feel like I have more faith in him being able to do that than you do. I just think the Chiefs, uh, I mean, I, I have no faith. You could tell me it was really any, almost any defense in the NFL this year facing Mahomes and Reed and this offensive line – in a big game, and I would say, hmm, I think the more likely outcome is that Mahomes, Reed, and the offense gashes them. That's all. It's more about the Chiefs' offense to me, really, than the Eagles' defense. The Eagles' defense has played well. They have the corners. They have the pass rush. They don't have, like, this obvious weakness where you're saying, man, this guy's going to get targeted a million times. Like, I don't think this is that kind of game. It, to me, it's just more about the other guys and how good I think they are. I think. Yeah, you're back. You're at a loss for words. I have not seen this so far in a pod this year. I know. I'm just. I, I want to make sure. I, <laughs> You're thinking. Whenever, okay. whenever you and I have debates, I always think it's important for me to state my case at the end because usually you you sneak me into saying things I get in trouble for later. I don't sneak anything. I just nah, respond. It's scurrilous. All right. I think Gan will play a passive approach that will allow the Chiefs to run on them and allow the Chiefs to have underneath passes. I think the Chiefs will largely score a lot of points as a result of that approach, but. I think the Eagles won't get beat deep. I think the Eagles won't give up huge yards after the catch to Travis Kelsey over the intermediate and MBS over the intermediate. I don't think they'll give up, you know, embarrassing huge, like, you know, Kadarius Tony runs and whatever. I think at times it'll look easy. I think at times it'll look way too easy and frustratingly easy. But I think if Gannon gets into a spot where he knows Mahomes has to pass the football, I think the Eagles defense does have a huge advantage there. I do think that they'll, they'll, their pass rush will be enough. Their coverage talent will be enough. Their, their, their work in zone and their ability to double Kelsey in zone will be enough that if, if it's the offense scoring a ton of points or if it's a muff special teams kick or whatever it ends up being that gets the Eagles in, in a spot where the, the Chiefs clearly have to throw, I do think that Gannon's defense in that moment will shine. And I will enjoy that moment if and when we get it. Okay. All right. Uh, I would still – Eagles are up 21 nothing in the second half. Chiefs are throwing on every play. I think uh, – I, w I would still, I still feel like the Chiefs. <laughs> It'll be sweaty. Come back, snap of their fingers. All right. Are there any other? All right. So we know we had a big Kelsey discussion earlier in the week. We talked about it today. I don't think we need to hit on that. You were talking about the run game with Pacheco. Jarek McKinnon is the guy to watch as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Which again, I think that he will be a factor in this game. I, I like uh, not that you know we're doing prop bets here, but like the the overs on McKinnon and Gainwell are uh, are two that I would be looking at because I think twenty two and a half receiving. Yards for Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, don't worry. I know the number. Okay. You know the number. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what about wide receiver? Any of these guys? Uh, I know you mentioned, you know, Kadarius Tony, maybe on some jet sweeps, some horizontal run stuff. They've got uh, MVS. They've got Juju Smith Schuster. They've got Sky Moore. Uh, Nicole Hardman is out for this game. Yep. He will not play. Anything about any of those wide receivers that uh, we should close with here that has your attention or not really? Um, I think they're going to test a couple big posts to MVS and to Justin Watson, probably MVS. Uh, Watson was uh, sick last week, but Watson actually plays like a decent number of snaps to them and is a big, a big guy who's got some speed. Um, 
because Eagles play quarters, and so you want to throw a big post against that. And so, you know, MVS can can run away from Bradbury a little bit. That's just a, a matchup to watch out for. In general, I would say the player that at wide receiver has the most potential to damage the Eagles is, is Kadarius Toney. Uh, Tony is their screen target guy. He's their underneath guy. He's their behind the line of scrimmage guy, throw him a swing pattern, whatever. And like Tony was drafted by the Giants in the first round. He's been hurt and everything. Like the whole arc of Tony and like whether he was overdrafted and overvalued and what his skill set actually is, like push that aside. The Eagles are playing the 40, the, the Chiefs. He's going to be probably healthy for this game, right? Andy Reid said that he and Juju both look like they're doing pretty good. And then and the arc of the week looks good for them. And Tony is just like a nightmare to tackle, like independent of routes and drops and whatever. Just like when he gets the ball four yards behind the line of scrimmage, it's a nightmare. He's he's one of the herky jerkiest, weirdest, toughest dudes yes. in the in the league to tackle. A very unique mover. So uh, a lot of the the stuff we talked about prepping for the Niners: Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey. The danger of, of a guy turning a negative three yard play into an eighty yard touchdown. The dude for the Chiefs. Uh, this year who does that for them is Kadarius Tony, And so that's number 19 is the player that you have to watch out for. Just to talk about stupid ways to give up seven is falling off of Kadarius Tony on a curl route and then watching him outrun Reed Blankenship and Marcus Epps down the sideline, right? You just got to, uh, that's, that's the player that I'm most concerned about having some game breaker that really uh, tips the scales in the chief's favor. Yeah, in- injuries have been the issue, but he is a special player uh, with the ball in his hands. I could kind of see that if, if the Chiefs win, that he is, you know, um, Giants fans are going, oh, my gosh, you know, we didn't have any wide receiver talent and we let this guy go. And now he's starring in the Super Bowl. That is a, a guy I could see. MBS had a terrific game uh, last week, so he's certainly uh, come on for them here. Um, but again, this is not, you know, you're not facing a uh, Justin Jefferson or a Jamar Chase and your corners have played really, really well this year, you know, as well, really, as any corner trio, corner tandem, however you want to phrase it, that I can remember for the Eagles. I was having this thought, uh, Ben, and we can finish on this, like, this Eagles team is making me look at that 2017 team and being like, that team really wasn't that talented. I mean, you're looking at it like compared to this team, and I, I, this is where I've settled in my mind. And again, this can be the last thing. Uh, I'm looking at 2017 going, that was like an incredible coaching job to, to get that type of run, to get that type of season out of those players. When you look at, you know, all due respect, Torrey Smith, Torrey Smith starting for you at one wide receiver spot, Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby, Patrick Robinson. Again, all those guys had great moments in that season. There's no doubt about it, but man, you compare uh, those guys to kind of what you have on this team where it's just stacked everywhere. And this to me feels like a Howie Roseman victory, the 2022 Eagles, given all the talent on the roster. And I'm putting 2017 in like the, that was a Doug Peterson uh, and coaching staff victory there. Yeah. What do you think? Is that fair or unfair? I think I always, whenever people bring up the 2022 uh, a roster and how much of it is a Howie Roseman victory, I always do say like, it does take a really good coach, a good culture coach, a guy that players like, a guy that's genuine to get a bunch of new bodies in the building and have everybody be good. Remember when like AJ Brown was a little bit pissed after the Giants game? We were like, oh, oh wow, somebody's upset. Uh-oh. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, like, obviously winning cures all ills, but like and how, all these players come in and are just maximized, right? They're used the correct way. They like the new role. Chauncey Gardner Johnson was like getting multiple and sports like conduct penalties in New Orleans and also complaining about his role nothing right like they, they they've done yeah, a, that's a, true a, a, that coaching staff's done a really good job at integrating new players which is tough it can be it can be challenging especially when you're bringing in stars and so uh cats off but yeah i think it's generally a high roseman victory um the other thing that i'll say is we talk uh, we actually we don't talk a lot we used to talk a lot about roseman's draft history and just how over the last few drafts Roseman hadn't necessarily been hitting at the level you'd like for a starting general manager to hit. A starting general manager, I say, as if it's a position. A, a general manager to hit, right? <laughs> uh, and that's because drafting's like always cyclical, right? Like the, the 2019 class, Dillard, Sanders, J.J. Arthur, Whiteside, you know, shaky. That 2020 class for a while was, you know, Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts, Davion Taylor, Kayvon Wallace, Jack Driscoll. You know, it was like, ah, not, not a great class. Nobody cares anymore because of what Jalen Hurts has become. Um but holy smokes, man, I was running through some Eagles offensive film today, working on preview stuff. Devontae Smith is so good. Landon Dickerson yeah. is so good. And Milton Williams, like we said, have really come has really come on over the last month or two months. Kenny Gamble has really come on the last month, two months. That's the 2021 class. 
Like they, like the uh, the free agent additions have been great. The trading is always awesome. He hit twenty twenty one very well. They did an and that was that was coming off of the the four eleven and one year. That was coming off the Carson Wentz transition. They had a, a, an early pick in Devonte Smith, and they they went after it in a big way. Two top forty picks in Devonte Smith and Landon Dickerson. Those are key starters on this offense. Uh, and so uh, Harry Roseman success story for sure. But everybody always brings up the free agency and the trading. Uh, and then obviously the, the drafting of Jalen Hurts, the one key moment of like understanding the quarterback position, understanding the value of QB two. Uh, but they did that twenty twenty one class great, and all, all four of those players are right now huge, huge, huge impact players uh, in, in this in this season in this upcoming game. And so a little feather in the in the drafting cap. Howie doesn't get too many of them, but he deserves one for last year's class. Yeah, he he has built a a great team. There's no doubt about it. That's been a big part of the story here in Phoenix, Arizona. All right. And that will do it, I think, for this episode of the Ringers Philly Special. I think we're working on some things, maybe thinking about some type of Birds with Friends crossover, if we can fit it Never in here heard of it. Uh, between now. Na- now and oh and as uh listeners uh pointed out ben you're too young i mean my original my first was tim mcmanus during the birds yeah. uh, you're not too young you read birds 24 during the birds 24 70 so you know as what you were feeling seeing me talking to Bo, it was what Bo was feeling or is still feeling when he sees me let's talk get to a, tim mcmanus because let's get a first eagles, you know you can never let's let's get an eagles podcast co-host rankings from shield yeah, come on. Well, I'm going to take the Ed Kelsey on this and go, uh, you're, you're not. I, I, would, I would just say I'm doing a great job of making everyone uh, look that's good. That's exactly on all correct. The successful, that's, that's a good take. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't doing this when you were on with Tim. I was a listener. I was a fan, but I wasn't doing it yet. And so it doesn't right. feel the same you were way reading. as opposed yeah. to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Okay. All right. Well. So we might do that. We'll see. We'll definitely be back uh, with the Thursday 10. And then I think Benny Souls, you're still going to have some special, probably things maybe planned for a little yes. Friday bonus episode, correct? Okay. Less, right. less guaranteed so than it was last time, coming. but still probably yes. Okay, <laughs> we'll see. Listen, your feed has been filled. You're probably on content overload this week, so uh, enjoy it. Take it in. If you don't have time to listen to all of our shows, just you know, download, subscribe, hit play, fast forward a little bit, make sure it gets to the end so that Cliff can tell me you know, in a couple of weeks, hey, we had big numbers uh, during Super Bowl week. I think you guys are going to get to go back next year, something like that. All right. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you for listening. Oh, don't forget, get those questions in. Hashtag Ringer Philly on Twitter, and we will get to as many as possible on the Thursday 10. All right, everybody, have a great day, and we will talk to you soon on the Ringers Philly special.